Hello and welcome to another episode of the Project Purple Podcast. I'm Dino Varelli, founder and CEO, and today we're back in the podcast studio with another special episode. Over the last 10 years, we have done some amazing things and we've talked to some amazing people over the last two years on this podcast. And today we bring a special episode revisiting with two of our special survivors. Thank you for listening and enjoy today's episode. We're back in the podcast studio with a friend of mine, someone who has become a good friend of mine over the last couple of months. I call her my princess warrior coming to us from <laughs> California. If you haven't followed her yet on social media, I, I, I highly recommend that you do because she's got a, a wonderful spirit of her dancing and battling pancreatic cancer. Dolores Sams Hoy, thank you for being back on the Project Purple podcast. Hi, you're too kind. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for coming back. And I, and I sincerely mean all those kind words. I mean, you know, when we you reached out to us, if, if those who have not listened to the original podcast, we recommend that you go back and listen to mm -hmm. Dolores's podcast. But you reached out to us and then we connected. And just to see your spirit on social media is something really, really special. <laughs> Thank you. You know, that's a, a, a goal of mine. This is such an ugly disease that I share with many. So I try to find something happy throughout the day or just in life in general, because it is a dark thing we have. And I don't want to live in that darkness. So I put in, I, I live with intention to try and find the brightness, the light of just everyday living with this disease. Special. Dolores, for our listeners at home, maybe this is the first time they've heard your story. We want to give them a quick recap. We do want them to go listen to our original podcast, uh, <laughs> but let's maybe recap where, I mean, I know it was just a recent episode that we had you on the podcast talking about your mm -hmm. journey, uh, but before we hit record, I know you and I were talking just about some updates. So let's give our listeners a, a quick update, and then we're going to go into some okay. questions that I have for you. Nope. So um, uh, October 9th will put me at 19 months since diagnosis. Um, my first four months, uh, I really did not, truly did not believe I would live to see the end of the year of 19. Um, I recently, as a Friday, as I mentioned to you, had another CT scan. My cancer numbers have started to increase. And I started to have the pain that radiates from the back, the front. Um, and I had expressed that to the doctor, <clears throat> excuse me. And so he uh, ordered a CT scan. So I am now currently awaiting my results. Um, I do have a, a in-person visit with him on Wednesday. And I believe I will get those results there. Um, I am keeping myself busy, not trying to um, think about the results, but I keep in my mind that he expressed to me, I still have options. 
So once he expressed that to me, I that's what I'm focusing on. If we have to change the cocktail, which we have had before, mm-hmm. okay with that. Um, so we'll see. It could just be a minor irritation. Who knows? I, I haven't really been trying to figure out what this could be, what this means, because it does me no good. So I'll wait until uh, Wednesday. I still have energy. I'm still able to move about. I'm still have, I have a great quality of life. So it's a, you know, this journey is long and it's hard. Um, and so it's, you know, peaks and valleys. So we'll see what he says. Um, but yeah, I was diagnosed April 9th. Um, it'll be, like I said, 19 months, hard, hard fought battle, but I'm still here. So. Every day I'm here is, you know, hopefully another day researchers can find something um, to better able to help assist us. And I take that and I run with it. So hopefully the listeners will go back and listen to the previous podcast. But I'm here to fight. I'm, I'm not here to quit. I have round 36 coming up on Thursday. And like I mentioned to you earlier, 37, 38, 40, 50, 90. I don't, I'm okay with that. So long as I'm having a good quality of life and I'm getting up every morning. So that's where I am right now. It's pretty powerful stuff, Dolores. I, 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 you know, to put everything in context as people feel like they're having a bad day, you know, with this whole transition of what this new normal is or the next normal is in terms of uh, maybe it's their kids, you know, because here mm-hmm. on the East Coast, there's a lot of homeschooling that's happening or or mm-hmm. hybrid learning, right? And, yeah, you know, to think about that and then think about what you just said is, is pretty powerful, you know, to put things in perspective, I guess, for our listeners at home that maybe, you know, haven't listened to that first episode highly recommend that you do because there were so many powerful nuggets about attitude and faith and something that uh you know we're doing this on zoom so uh you and i have the opportunity to look at each other and it's it's pretty special (laughs) um because you are someone who's really beautiful on the inside and and outside just with the way that you have fought this thing with an amazing amount of courage and grace and dignity so thank you thank you for sharing that I, my faith keeps me going. You know, I, I have a tremendous support group in my church, in my family. And, you know, my faith keeps me going because I believe, I believe, I truly believe that one day I'm going to walk into my doctor's office and he's not going to know what to say. Right. And I'm going to know, right. Because it'll surpass his science, which I believe in. Mm-hmm. And that'll be a glorious day. But I'm not naive to the ravage this disease does, right? But what I do know is whether I'm healed here on earth or I'm healed in heaven, I'll be healed. So I just have to hold on to that every day. Every day. It's powerful. I've got four questions for you. Okay. And we've asked these same four questions uh, to the survivors that have been on the podcast. First question is, if you were talking to someone who was just recently diagnosed, 
what is the best advice that you could give them? And these are not easy questions. I know I always say they're loaded questions. So <laughs> you're going to get four loaded questions. Um, what I would, my, my biggest advice or my best advice would be have a support team that can take away what uh, you feel you need to do so you can focus on what you have to do. You let somebody else cook for you when you can't. You let somebody else do research for you when you can't. Like for me, there's so much research out there that even, you know, as I mentioned, my brother had it, but he only had three months from death, from diagnosis to death that when I started to research it, it was overwhelming for me. And it makes me incredibly sad to see those things. But we have to know what we're dealing with. So since it's overwhelming for me, I delegated that to somebody in my support group, my brother and my best friend, because I can't do it. And then that allows me not to be overwhelmed and it allows me to focus on fighting while getting the information. So that would be my biggest thing is to have a strong, solid support group, if you can. I know there's a lot of people that are having to do this alone. And that's a scary thing. It really is. But I'm hopeful that if they are alone, but they're connected at least to Project Football, they can get some support that way. because. I truly would not be here without the support team. I really wouldn't. And there's you know, other groups too, Dolores. I, selfishly, I, you know, I, I'm, you know, I would say us, but uh, realistically, also, uh, there are so many other great groups in the space that are out there, and I think that's something that's so critical. And and on that note, I, I, I don't think we talked about this when we did the podcast, but I came across. Um, a video, maybe when we became friends, maybe I saw it on your social media though, but, uh, or maybe something you sent that video that the news local news station did for you. And it was yeah. just so touching to see, I think you had, it was a bunch of work friends and yeah. family friends and my that, church members yeah, and that did that drive family. by for you. And it was oh, just really, really touching. I'm still speechless over that. I mean, the, the amount of support and love that Flowed on that anniversary date, and it was at the beginning of COVID. Even when I go back and I watch the video, I'm speechless at it. just to know how loved you are, right? Sure, everybody says, I love you, I, you know, and it's not that you don't mean it, right? But in a time where one, you don't know how much time you have, and none of us really know how much time you have. But when you're with this kind of disease, and then we have the pandemic and all of that, and just to see those cars just coming, coming, coming was overwhelming. But my heart was full, full. It remains full to this day, every time I think about that. And that's a beautiful thing. And it's something that I wish everybody feels. Mm -hmm. Whether or not you're with the terminal disease or not, 
just didn't like, right? That is an awesome feeling. Just in life, just, you know, whether you're suffering through anything, just to have that amount of love demonstrated, it's priceless. Special stuff. Second question is, what is your number one tip for someone fighting? And this could be, and I preface this by saying, you know, this could be something that you've done, a piece of advice that was given to you, or quite possibly, um, you know, something that you've learned on your journey in terms of what that tip may be. Um, and my number one tip, you know, is to just be okay with what you have acknowledge it you know it took me a long time to even say pancreatic cancer it took me a long time to say that's what i have but over time i had to realize one it's not because of something i did right and and that was a big thing. What didn't I do to bring this on? Or what did I do to make myself get this? And it was none of that. There, you know, yes, you can get lung cancer because you smoke, or you can contribute to that, right? There's plenty of people who smoke that don't get it. But with pancreatic cancer, there's not a whole lot that you could have done, right? You're going to get it if you have it. And so I had to learn to forgive myself. And I had to, um, and not even, I don't, I shouldn't even say forgive myself. I had to learn to acknowledge that it was nothing that I did or nothing that I could have done to prevent me from getting it. And with doing that, I then had to be okay to say, this is what I have, but it does not define me. It's a part of me. It's a huge part of me but it is not me. And that's what I would tell people is don't let it become you. Let it be something that you fight, but it does not have to be all of you. You're still a wife or a husband, a sister, a brother. You will always be those things. And those are greater than letting this disease be you. So you have to fight to be yourself. Just, fighting a horrible disease. That would be my biggest advice is don't let it become you because it's not you. You're still many other things. You know, I'm a mother. I'm a sister. I'm a grandma. You know, I don't want my grandson looking at me and just say, you're cancer. Mm. I want him to see his grandma. I don't want, you know, anybody. Yeah. I, and you know what? I, I walk proudly. My hair is gone. I, I wear what, however it is. And when people see me, if they ask, I no longer have a problem saying I have cancer. I have pain. I have it, but it's not me. That's not all who I am. So that, that would be because you can get lost in it. You really can't. And I'm not trying to give it that power. 
Yeah, and you just said something that's so powerful. Like, allow it to have that power. Mm-mm. We allowed, and and this is like a bigger picture thing too. Mm-hmm. I think like you control what you allow into your life, right? And that's the same. I mean, yeah, you're you're fighting cancer, but and I've been taking notes here. Here's my scratch pad with my notes. <laughs> The disease, you know, be you, not the disease. Like the disease, just because you have cancer, that's not you. And I I think so often people don't acknowledge it and then they become it. That's exactly it. And they, and I hope this sounds correct when it comes out, but, and I've never had to battle cancer, but it's also, it becomes like a crutch Mm -hmm. in a way. And then they, you allow that, and, and maybe it's part of the system, you know, because this is like a systemic thing where, you know, right. we talk about this with like the system in terms of treatments and testing and how we raise awareness, like doctors should be aware with patients. There should be better protocols. And, and maybe this is a patient-centric thing where maybe there's a better way of acknowledging it with patients so they don't use it or they don't mentally, it doesn't mentally become this crutch and cripple them and define them. And they're able to exactly. define themselves in a way, right? And But right. I think part of that is just there's this sanitary part of medical or medicine that is just so like, here's, I just remember with my dad, Dolores, like we get the diagnosis and then they hand us this book of how to, you know, feel about chemotherapy. And right. it was just so sanitary, right? It's just like, sanitary. here you go. Like, here's the book. And now you become yeah. this cancer patient and here's yes. your porticat. And this is what to expect. You know, so it's almost like the system, we, we've got to figure out a better way of how to navigate through this. And maybe it's a communication, you know, yeah. maybe it's awareness, you know, with with like this podcast and sharing this, yes. these ideas. Yeah. But I also feel- Be- because everybody's different. Everybody's cancer. We have, we have all, I don't say all, but all of us that have pancreatic cancer, we have pancreatic cancer, mm-hmm. but it's different for everybody, right? Yeah. My pain is different than somebody else's pain. My side effect might be different than somebody else's side effect. Yes, we all have pancreatic cancer, but when we, when we don't let it become us and we're afraid to talk about it, or, and we're not afraid to talk about it, I should say, we can share those things and, that helps people not feel alone. But when you're first diagnosed with it, like I, even my first few treatments at my clinic, you know, after class, you know, they put you in this class and then they kind of parade you around the infusion clinic. You already know which ones have the cancer, mm. right? You don't know what cancer they have, but you know they have it because they give you a special bag. And it's kind of like they clump you in together and yeah, we're clumped together because of the word cancer, but we're all still individuals. And we have to remain and keep our individuality so that we can fight with who we are, right? And not, as you say, and I agree with you, not let it overtake us and we use it as a crutch. I, you know, I was talking, my husband and I, we do our dates, you know, at Costco, right? We were talking to one of the workers there. And I told him, you know, he didn't know anything about me, but I, and I just said it in passing, I may not die from cancer. 
right? And he didn't know at that point that's what I had. Mm. And I to myself, wow, I truly have come a long way because I would never even have said that before. And he's like, oh, I didn't know yet. I said, yeah, I have pancreatic cancer. I've been fighting it and I will continue to fight it. It's not a stigma. You know, it's not, it's not a, a red sea that we have to walk around with, right? It's not, it's nothing to be ashamed of. We have it. We're fighting it. And hey, if you want to be a part of my support team and help me fight it, come on aboard. But if, you know, you want to think of it as a stigma, then I'll move along and I'll, somebody else where it's not a stigma and hey, they want to join my team to support me. Because that's what it's about, right? You got to have the people with the same attitude. You can't have Debbie Downers. Not that we don't have bad days. You can't have somebody coming in here thinking, oh, well, we're only going to do this until you have six months. No, don't put a month on me. Put a year. Because mm-hmm. I want years, like plural, multiples. Don't give me months. And if you're coming with to me with um, a time frame, right, or you think it's going to be soon or whatever, I, I don't want that. I want somebody who knows I'm going to have years. May I, I may not, but that's my belief. I'm going to, right? I, you know, I'm not going to let this become me. I can't do it. It's powerful, powerful stuff. Next question. Okay. Your biggest challenge that you've experienced, what has it been? Nausea. Absolutely. Without a doubt, nausea. I, I hate feeling nauseous. I would just rather get sick and be done with it. Nausea is the most irritating thing to me because it lingers. And I started recently, um, for some reason, who knows, when I go for my chemo, I stay nauseous that whole day and it bugs me to no end. Some days it's so bad. It makes me cry. And I started dreading going to um, chemo because of it. It's like, I already anticipated. I wake up in the morning. Oh God, I'm going to feel sick. No, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And then my girlfriend said, no, not having that. You need to change your mind shift when you go in there. Right? No, you're not going to feel sick. Change your mind shift. Sherry said, change it. And, and I'm a big believer in that. You know, my brother pushed me for that. Sherry reminded me of it. And I went in the last one and I, I put it on my Instagram. I walked in there like a boss. <laughs> wheeled out like a boss. I get wheeled out all the time because, <laughs> have, and it makes me, um, Un, unsteady, but I would. I my husband wheeled me out, and I said, "You look. I'm wheeling out like a boss. I am not going to let this nausea overcome me." And do you know, for the first time in a month, I did not have that all day nausea feeling. I went in there with some oils. I'm smelling them. I was able to eat. I didn't come out crying, hating it. And I have a mind shift. 
right? I'm going in there, I'm rocking it in, and I'm wheeling it out. Nazi is not going to have me. Is that going to work every time? Maybe not, but I'm going in there thinking it is, right? Because I had a good, good day of chemo. The side effects is what I know is it's doing its job, right? I don't have to hate it. I'm not going to say I'll ever love it, but I don't have to let it have power over me, right? So for months in the beginning, I got malnourished to the point where I'm and had to have the feeding tube, right? Because of the nausea. I could barely even drink water. But through trial and error, we found good medicine that keeps the nausea away for the most part. Uh, day to day, I don't have it because of the medicine that I take. Mm. Um, and I still take those meds when I go for chemo. But now I add on, you know, some, you know, oil or eat something different or make sure I'm full or, you know, other tactics. And that mind shift that, no, it's not going to be bad today. Today, it's not going to make me cry. But that is my biggest, the nausea is my most hated thing. I, I can't stand it. Well, I, I hate being nauseous to begin <laughs> with. So I feel for you because that is an awful, awful, awful feeling. And I know it's, yeah. it's one of the side effects that I know affects a lot of patients. Um, but it's tough. It's tough. It's tough. It is tough. And, you know, and some people don't have it. I didn't have it for a long time. Hmm. Um, and I acknowledge it and I wish it wasn't a side effect, but it is, it is for everyone. Maybe not as, as, um, long lasting, um, maybe not as violently, felt um but it's there right and we just have to find ways to deal with it um and mind shift right now is mine well if it's working keep doing it as they say keep keep doing it last question here dolores is what has worked the best so far in your experience what have you been doing or is there something that you can kind of point to that's worked really, really well for you? For me is being able to get back to my routine, get back to the things I love to do. I may not be able to do it um, as often or um, as intense as I did before because you do get tired right but I'm able now to cook I love cooking love it and for the longest time I couldn't do it and so long as now I can do it I'm gonna do it I've we've been inside I have ordered so many different cookbooks I am trying different things I am, you know, not going to restaurants, not even to sit in uh, their parking lot. Because guess what? I can figure out how to cook that at home. <laughs> so I, I am back to my routine. 
in the beginning for almost a year, my church did a meal train for me, right? Help out. But as soon as I got my strength, the first thing I wanted to do was cook. And my first big thing I did was Thanksgiving meal for my family. Nothing brings me more joy. I may not have the appetite, right? Like I used to, but I can cook it. I can now also be with my grandson and walk him. He wears me out. <laughs> he's 18 months and he's, he's busy, but I can keep him. I can get on the floor. I can get up. I can argue with him. I can blow bubbles with him, right? I can feed him. Having my routine of what I love to do, even in this pandemic, right? Those things that I can do that I couldn't do before. Oh, no, just let me do it. I may have to take a nap, right? I may have to take a nap after I wash the dishes, but I can wash those dishes. I may have to take a nap after my grandson has me going up and down the stairs, but I got up and down those stairs, right? Routine, that what you did before you were diagnosed and you couldn't do for a little bit, but you can do it now. Embrace that and do it until you can't do it that day anymore. Just that day and you get up tomorrow and you do it again. Whatever that is, even if I, it's so weird, like I'm, I go back and there's all these nostalgic things that I like. I've, I got myself some jack, some pick sticks, barrel of monkeys. My grandson and I will play that day all day long when he's here barrel of monkeys right anything that you enjoyed before go back to enjoying it now if you can that's exactly what i'm doing whether it's cleaning or cooking or playing barrel of monkeys and jacks that's my routine i love it i love it well i i hope you're looking forward to this thanksgiving dinner because uh i sure am i'm doing weeks, too Doing I'm doing too. too. Oh, I love it. I love it. I wish you lived closer. <laughs> <Me too. laughs> I'd, I'd be knocking on the door coming on over because I'm sure it'd be amazing. Well, Dolores, thank you for once again being on the Project Purple podcast to share with our listeners your update and share some thank of you. your best advice, tips, and what's worked best for you so far. Thank you. And you know what? Congratulations on 10 years. That is not easy. <laughs> easy feat. And I am so proud of you. I know we just met, but I am extremely proud of you. I understand the circumstances that this was born from, and I'm sorry for that. But I know he would be proud of the stuff that you have done in these last 10 years. I know he would because I am. And like you said, yes, there are a lot of other um, support groups there are. But this one, this one has enabled me to be in contact with people that I never would have. Not only here in the US, but in Europe. I never would have thought that. And that's all through Project Purple. And so I say congratulations and keep moving forward. Keep helping us. Keep supporting us. And we as survivors or patients will keep doing our best to support you. 
Thank you. Thank you, Dolores, for the kind words. It's uh, special. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And we're back in the podcast studio, and I've got a good friend of ours, someone who was on our podcast before, Kim Manupelli. Kim, thank you for joining us on the Project Purple podcast. Thank you, Dana. Kim, as we were talking before we hit record, this is part of a special 10th anniversary podcast episode for our survivors. And Kim, you were a guest on our podcast before we were blessed to share your journey. I know we've we've shared it a ton and it's had some amazing views. And for our audience listening at home that maybe has not listened to your story or your podcast, we recommend that you go listen to that. But in the meantime, for this episode, let's give our audience kind of a, a brief journey and any updates since the last time we spoke. Okay. So, um, since we last spoke, I've had, I believe, um, two more scans. Everything is still no evidence of disease, um, which has been wonderful. Um, I am a BRCA2, so let me remind everybody that Mm -hmm. I am on a PAR inhibitor called Limparza, um, and it seems to be doing its job. Um, not having any side effects with it, um, other than getting old, which again is a privilege. So, um, no big issues. Um, I'm very thankful. My marker numbers are great. My blood work's been good. Um, I do have some issues with anemia. Um, and I'm finding out that a lot of individuals I've been reaching out to have the same issues. So it's come up in my mind lately. Is that a problem? Mm. Um, but, um, yeah, I've talked to quite a few people and, um, you know, through the, through the journey, um, of my first podcast, they've reached out to me. Um, so I do appreciate that. Dina. I want to thank you for that. Oh, no need to thank us. Thank you for allowing us to share the story. And like we've said multiple times on this podcast, I mean, this is what this is about is really sharing these journeys and no one should fight alone. And, you know, someone I was talking to earlier that's surviving Mm -hmm. and thriving, you know, is there's, there's strength in numbers and like people really have to become their biggest advocates because the hospitals and the doctors are not going to advocate for you. So that's, what's so exciting for me. I get really geeked out a little bit because we share so many stories and they're so different. And, you know, this is not fake news. I mean, this is stuff that, you know, is important for people to hear and that they should hear because odds are, you know, some of these treatments that the patients and the survivors and thrivers that we've had on this podcast probably aren't mentioned in, in a lot of those discussions unless you bring them up. And that's not right. anything against to say that your doctor is doing you an injustice. I think it's just a systemic right. issue. I agree. I so agree. Um, it's great stuff, Kim. I, I, I love hearing that, you know, that everything is still as it should be on course where you should be. Um, so appreciate giving our audience that, uh, that update and sharing the, the journey with us. I've got my first question for you here uh-huh. for someone listening to this podcast that may just be diagnosed. What would be the best advice that you could give that person? That's my first question. Okay. Um, because when you're first diagnosed, obviously the only thing you think about is dying. 
um, what's going to happen to my family, what's going to happen to my children, what's going to happen to the people I love. And um, I wish I could tell people not to get scared. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's a human feeling. It's, it's just everybody's going to go through it. Um, what I want to let people know is when you are first diagnosed, you can beat it and not to go out there and you can read many um, horrific stories. Um, but what I want them to know mainly, and I've had a lot of people, a lot of people come to me with this um, through Facebook and through um, Instagram is that everybody is different. So everybody's going to handle each chemical um, each chemo, you know, differently, um, you know, take advice where you can. Um, but at the same time, just remember that you are on a different path than any other human being because nobody else has your body, your cells, and not to doubt. So, you know, I've had a lot of people come to me and say, my doctor said I have three months. And I tell them, who is your doctor? I mean, is, did you go to God? Because only God has your timeline. And so the biggest thing I want people to remember is to try to stay positive. I know in the beginning it's really difficult and you'll go through your journey of, you know, fear and crying and, you know, being scared. And there's going to be a certain time of day that's worse than other times for you. But um, once you get there, you know, just remember that, you know, it's, it's up to God. Your timeline's up to God. And you can't beat it by staying positive. And I, what I try to do right now with anybody who reaches out to me is I send them positive stories of other people. Um, absolutely, I want them to read them. I want them to see that people are beating these cancers and any cancer. Um, I'm actually talking to individuals with breast and colon. And, you know, so um, I do try to really focus on just trying to be there to help others. It's powerful. What would be your number one tip to that same person? And this could be, you know, something that, you know, it, it, you went through, like you realized going through mm -hmm. treatments, like this really worked for you well or something post mm -hmm. that, uh, that mm -hmm. you realized. Um, when I was going through my treatments and I talked to a lot again, that struggle through some of these treatments and, um, I just always went down to treatment like, you know, I was going to my doctor's appointment and getting my medicine. I think I said this on my podcast as well. Um, I never, I know some people feel like when they go for treatment, um, they're getting poison in their body. Well, guess what? If that poison's going to kill this cancer, I'm going for it, you know? And I just think if I could just try and get them um, to think that way, um, it's just such a scary process. And, you know, again, um, how to get people to think more positively. I mean, not everybody is, you know, a Catholic as I am. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, pray more, find your faith, realize again, you know, that God has your timeline, nobody else. Um, and that anything's possible. Um, I did also make sure that, you know, I really tried to eat healthy and, um, you know, hydrate really well. This is the other thing I tell people every single day when I talk to them, please hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. Um, and I did. Um, I did have some nausea as a lot of people complain to me about their nausea, but I honestly um, ate through it. I hate to say that. I did. I ate through it because I knew that if my body became too thin, 
um, when you're going through any cancer treatment, it's not going to sustain itself. So I kept pushing myself, you know, you're going to, you got to push, you got to push through. Um, there were days when I didn't want to, but guess what? I still did. I don't care what it was. Um, I just pushed myself really hard and kept telling myself and asking God to keep me healthy through these. I never wanted to miss a chemo. I never wanted to miss, you know, medication or anything like that. So those kind of things were really important to me back then. And I think too, you know, just kind of staying connected with the people around you who love you and stay busy, um, you know, find things to look forward to because your mind is a really powerful tool in this, in this whole process. I couldn't agree with you more. And I think we've, yeah. you know, seen that with uh, the mental aptitude that people have to fight mm-hmm. this thing called pancreatic cancer and what that can do right. for you and, right. and not being, you know, uh, not to check out, you know, and to really have that mental strength to really get through it is yeah. is really, really powerful. A lot of the people that I talk to, I will tell you the ones who tell me, um, you know, they're going to make it. There's no doubt we're going to meet, we're going to do this. Uh, you know, just have that attitude. They're doing extremely well. Um, you know, it, it, it really is mind over matter in a lot of cases. Powerful. Next question. What was your biggest challenge that you encountered through this whole journey? Um, my family. You know, I think for everybody, just the thought of, you know, losing your family or them losing you kind of thing. Um, What would happen to my family? That's all that kept playing through my head. Um, You know, who would take care of my husband? Who would be there for my sons? Um, You know, would I be able to see my grandchildren? That That was the hard part for me. That was the hardest part of this whole experience. Um... You know, we get poked with needles all the time. We get constantly, you know, got to go to the doctor, constantly nauseous, tired, everything else. But, you know, that's the hardest part for me was dealing with how to deal with the emotional part of my family. How'd you get through that? and And the other part of it, too, I will say, Dino, is also how others saw me. Um, Mm -hmm. It was a big part for me. It wasn't that I didn't, I just didn't want somebody to see me as the cancer patient. I wanted them to see me as here's Kim Manupelli and you know, this is who she is. Um, So that was hard for me because uh, in the beginning I struggled very much so with not even wanting to leave my house. Um, And then I got through it Um, and I got through it because my husband said to me basically was, you know, if you run into somebody and they find out, they're going to pray for you. And the more he said that to me, the more I thought, you know, he's absolutely right. But I, I guess I was trying to hide from everything in the beginning. So there's, like I said, there's a gamut of, inf- of emotions that we all go through. Um, and I'm not saying any of them are right or wrong. I just know that everybody's is different. And, um, and I just really want to be there to help everybody through a lot of these things, you know. And that's why I do reach out to a lot of people through social media. Well, it's fascinating here you say that, Kim, because, you know, uh, the, the only way people know is if people come out, right? And so we don't find right. out about them and, and what you've been able to do, though, and be mm-hmm. this beacon of light, you know, to those folks. And I've seen that on, you know, social media now that we're friends, you know, is, mm-hmm. is pretty powerful. So, you know, to hear you say, like, you know, your biggest challenge was that you were, 
you know, you didn't want to, you didn't want people to know, but then now, you know, you, you, you saw and how powerful yeah. that is of, of coming out. It's almost, it's so rewarding. And so like, uh, it is therapeutic, so rewarding. Right? It, is. it is. And it's heartbreaking some days for me too, you know, because, you know, I feel for my friends who maybe I have never met and I can't meet because they live on the other side of the world and they're just breaking my heart because, you know, now I love them. I love them as if they were friends in my life the entire time. And, um, and just, you, you're diff you feel differently about these people because you've experienced the same things as they have. And, um, and you just so badly want to help. So sometimes it's hard, but I, for the most part, my, these are absolutely the most wonderful people in my life. And, um, you know, again, the majority of them I'll probably never meet, but I would do anything to help them out at this point. It's powerful. So powerful. Last question, Kim. Yeah. What worked best for you in this journey? My faith. You knew I was going to say that. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> know. On. I didn't know. I didn't oh, know. Oh, you did too. I didn't you know. Did too. Did, did, I know this was, I feel like you and I are just, you know, really old <laughs> friends, but I mean, truthfully, honest to God, it, it got me through, um, mornings when mornings used to be very hard for me. Um, I don't know why that time of day for me was difficult and, um, yeah, praying really was relaxing. It, um, it helped me through. I, I, I'm telling you, I, I was just sitting last night saying prayers for a very dear friend of mine who's over in Australia. And I know she's struggling a little bit and uh, been praying really hard for her. And as I was praying, I realized I'm like, you know, when I was praying for God to help me, it felt so different. Um, it was just a different kind of feeling that I had when I was praying and, and I felt my faith get stronger and stronger and stronger over these last, it's going to be three years in November, which I'm so thrilled that I'm at three years. Cause you know, you just, when you're first diagnosed, you don't know when, when, you, when it's going to be. Um, but, um, you know, I, it just has to be faith for me. It's the only thing that got me through, um, you know, of course, second to that would be my family, but yeah, my faith. If, if you can find your faith, if you can just take some time during the day to talk to God, he will be there, you know? Um, and I think it's really important for our warriors to have that, to have that kind of strength. I got a question on that that just popped up. Sure. And I don't want to assume no. But was there ever a time where you questioned that faith and how did you deal never. with that? Did you never, you know, that no, I honestly, do you know, it is crazy because, um, you know, I did go through, uh, chemo the first time I was stage two pancreatic cancer with a distal pancreatectomy, mm -hmm. um, and, uh, splenectomy. And when I finished that chemo round five months later, they found, um, a spot in my, um, right rectus muscle of my abdomen. Um, so the cancer came back, you know, now I'm stage four and I'm telling you, even in that moment, I did not question God. I did not blame God for this ever. No. And I don't, uh, you know, I've had friends even ask me that, like, I, I can't understand you've never wavered. 
I just never have, and I never, absolutely never will. And, you know, you just have to know that God does have a will. Um, and I really think my journey, you know, uh, again, God didn't give me pancreatic cancer. Okay. So we all know that, but my journey through this is to help others is to be there for other people to do whatever I need to do. Whether you ask me to do 2000 podcasts a year, <laughs> I will be there. I'm not kidding you. You never even have to ask. You could just tell me when it's scheduled and I'll be there. Um, anything that I need to do to help others. Um, and that, that, that's why I really feel that's my gift. That's, that's why I'm here. Special stuff, Kim. Thank yeah. you for giving us an update and for your time today on your journey Anytime. from all Anytime. of us at the project purple office. We appreciate everything you do. And until next time, please stay safe. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the project purple podcast. If you like what you hear today, please follow us wherever you listen to podcasts and share our podcast as we hope to bring inspiration and positivity to the world of pancreatic cancer. This podcast has been, to say the least, an amazing journey for us here at Project Purple, but it could not be without our special guests that we have the privilege to interview week after week. Thank you for listening and hope you're as inspired as we are by listening to the Project Purple podcast. Until next time, be safe and thank you.